Hello there and welcome back to a new teaching session. My name is Edward Seleduke and today we are continuing our teaching about tithing in the New Testament. Today we are going to discuss and continue answering some of the questions that we started in a previous session about tithing in the New Testament. If you remember, we discussed so far about we gave answers to three questions. If tithing is for the New Testament believers, then we talked about uh, why should we tithe or what are the benefits of tithing. And finally, we touched on how much should we tie, if we should tie from the gross income or net income. And today we are continuing with, with uh, uh, other questions. And the first question that we try to answer today is uh, a very important one. And that is, when should we tithe? And many Christians only give after all their needs have been met. Usually when they receive the paycheck, the first they take care of all their needs and after that, if anything remains or is left over, they will give. However, the scriptures teach that our tithes and offerings to the Lord should come first. And we see that in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. First, we should give to the Lord and to the kingdom. And when we give to the kingdom, we should not think that we just give some money or we give to some people or ministers and look at the things of the external things. But think that when you give, you give to God. And that is looking not at what you see, but at what you don't see. And that's faith giving to God, and when you give, we should give first. The first thing that we should do when we receive money or our monthly paycheck should be to honor the Lord by giving a portion of it to His work. And also, some of us were taught only to give at the specific command of the Lord. However, God's Word, as we know, is His instruction to us. He doesn't speak to us audibly today. He speaks through His Spirit. But we should not need to have an audible voice to give us further direction or even the Holy Spirit to, to talk us, to give us specific command when to, when to give. There are times, of course, when the Lord will specifically direct our giving, but it's not all the time. And Scripture says, uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says this. I will be reading again from New King James Version, but you are welcome to use any English translation that you have available. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. What if the only time our children ever told us they loved us was when we told them to tell us? It is true that we have to teach our children to say things like thank you and I love you. Uh, and we do lead them into things like that. And the Lord does lead us to give a time specifically. But all parents long for the day when those responses come out of their children's hearts spontaneously. Isn't that right? I, as a parent, expect that from my child. And I'm blessed. I'm so blessed when he comes uh, and all of a sudden, uh, I come with him from preschool and all of a sudden says, Daddy, I love you. Or Daddy, thank you for buying this toy to me. That blesses me. 
And I don't have to tell him to tell me that. He just tells me it comes out of his heart. Likewise, the Lord wants us to give as we desire to give, not under pressure or under a specific command. So when should we tithe? We should tithe or give anytime we have an income, and it should be the first thing that uh, should cross our minds to give to the Lord. Uh, 10% or even more, that will be, or even less if you if you don't have the the conviction yet, God will not punish you, again, as I said in the previous session, but he expects us to give as much as we can for the kingdom. Now, the next question that we will answer today is uh, even a more important one and uh, a question that many Christians have uh, uh, struggled with. Where should we tithe? And in Malachi the chapter 3, verse 10, God tells his people to bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in his house. Now, what is a storehouse? A storehouse is a place where people keep their food or go to get food. And according to this passage, the tithe should go to the place in the New Testament where we are fed and ministered to spiritually. In 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 11 to 14, 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 to 18, and Romans 15, verse 27, the Apostle Paul said that those who minister in spiritual things to other people like preaching, teaching, or proclaiming the gospel should benefit from the material things of those who are ministered to. The ministers, in other words, should live from the gospel. That's what Paul tells us. And that gives an uh, gives us another indication or another proof that believers should tithe or give in in the place in the church or ministry where they are fed spiritually from the word of God or where they are ministered to. Now let's move on. the 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 main streamlined teaching about tithing is that tithes belong only to the local church. And all the other offerings above the tithes can go to other ministries, charities, or benevolence work. And indeed, I mean, if we, if we think about it, the local church is the backbone of God's work here on earth. And that's the first place where our tithes should go. And there are ways that a local church can feed and minister to believers that no other ministry can. That's the truth. Besides receiving the word through preaching and teaching in a local church, believers can call the pastor or someone from the church to help them in the middle of the night if they need to, although it's not recommended. They can have pastors perform their children's dedications, weddings, uh, pastors counsel, provide counsel for, for believers. And believers can enjoy corporate worship, the fellowship of other believers there, and can also have their children and youth trained in the ways of God in the local church. So when we think about being fed or ministered to in a church, don't think only about the Word, although that's the main thing, the administration of the Word, teaching and preaching, but being ministered to or fed is uh, more than that if we think about the local church. However, not every church in our days is truly a storehouse and meeting the needs of the people who attend, especially in the area of preaching and teaching. And there are people that go to church every week and never get fed spiritually, but they feed themselves from other ministries and teachings, usually online or go to other churches, uh, to other services. And 
In this case, if believers are not in a local church that truly feeds them, they should try to find another good local church in their area and then give their tithes to that church. And in, in that case, the offerings above the tithe can go to other ministries or teachings that they feed from. However, I mean, if you try to find a church and if you cannot to, and that has been my case many times uh, where I lived in many places and I couldn't find a, um, a good church, it was hard to find it. If we cannot find a good church or for other reason, this, reasons decide uh, to remain in a church that does not feed us spiritually, but we feed from someone else, somewhere else, then we could direct a portion of our tithe or even the whole tithe to the place where we are really fed from. That's, it's not a problem. It, the Bible says to bring the tithes to the storehouse where we are fed or where we consider that that ministry or local church feeds other people spiritually. So we could direct a portion of our tithe, and that may, may be something new for many many of us. But if you've, you've been in this conflict and in this situation where you didn't know you went to a church, but you were feeding yourself from somewhere else, and you didn't know what to do with your tithe, you could you could do this, uh, what I just said, to give a portion. I had this this question for a long time, and I didn't know what's best to do. And I think the Holy Spirit... Um, gave me uh, a little bit of light here and uh, uh, Andrew Mack's teachings helped me uh, see see that more clearly and I want to give him credit for that because he's the man of God and I I am um, I I recommend I fully recommend him and his teachings if you ever have a chance to listen to his teachings they are very powerful and very new creation oriented uh in now in the global body of Christ uh, another thing that I want to mention here is that a lot of emphasis has been put on the office of a pastor and not and and on the fact that every ministry that believers do has to go through the church and should always be approved by the pastors of the local church. And while I mean there there's definitely a place for humility, for submission and for consulting with the pastor of the local church concerning a ministry initiative uh, or something that you want to do for the Lord, sometimes and many times this process uh, this uh, is taken to an extreme where a ministry cannot function, cannot be founded unless the pastor approves it, approves of it. But after all, the local church is called to train believers and release them to go do ministry. That's the main purpose of the church, not to just keep them gathering week after week and just come and then go back home. The church, the local church is to train believers to do ministry. And um, the ministries can be very diverse. Uh, in fact, we see in Ephesians chapter 4, and this is where I wanted to get, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, the Bible tells us that Jesus himself gave for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, not only pastors, but also apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. And most of the time, people in these roles do not serve only a local church, but multiple churches around the world. I mean, think about a teacher. 
He could serve multiple churches. His main focus and, and passion is teaching. More than just taking all the logistics of running a church, more than just counseling or doing other stuff that usually are done in a church, he loves, he likes to teach, and that's his calling. And then what about a, an evangelist? He likes to evangelize, and he wants to go do crusades, go to the people, heal them, preach to them. Also apostles, they are overseers over multiple churches. What about prophets? The same thing. The office of a prophet should serve multiple churches, not just uh, one church. And uh, as you can see there, all these other positions outside of the pastor's uh, office, they are all frontline offices and leadership positions. And because of that, they cannot always function to their full capacity and calling just in one church. Because, why? Because the pastors of the, that lo of the local church are mostly responsible to minister to people in that context. In that context. And that, of course, that includes delegating to other pastors, not just one, one person, just one pastor. But generally speaking, the pastors of that church are um, mainly responsible to minister to the people. And therefore, because of that, there are other spiritual ministries and organizations outside of a local church that are birthed and ministered to people in those other specific offices. Teaching ministries, evangelistic ministries, prophetic ministries, apostleship ministries. But this does not mean that those ministers or offices, uh, people that function in those offices are exempt from being part a part of a local church. Every believer, no matter their calling, office, or ministry, no matter if they are leaders in a leadership position, position or not, they should be part of a local church because that's what Jesus Christ uh, put in place. Saying, having said all that, since these are all spiritual ministries that feed people and minister to people spiritually as well, like the local church, and since... They are given as gifts by Jesus himself to the global church. I believe tithes or portions of the tithes can also go to these ministries because they focus on feeding the people spiritually, on ministering to the people spiritually. And the local church's priorities might not always include financial support for these other ministries outside the church. I mean, they have so many things to take care of, so many priorities, and they cannot always provide satisfactory for all these other ministries uh, that are birthed and functioning in the global body of Christ. So, uh, so I see no problem. I think uh, our ties or a portion of those ties can go to these other ministries. And there are the teaching ministries, there are ministries that I know of, uh, and uh, those ministers could receive um, that our tithes. Now, there is one more thing that I want to mention here about where should we tithe concerning the provision for orphans, widows, and the poor, which is also a spiritual ministry of the kingdom. But I think in this area, the local churches should be actively involved in it mainly, and use some of their income from tithes for, for that purpose. However, most of the times we know that that is not enough, and there are many Christian nonprofit organizations and charities, and even non-Christian charities, that help in that area significantly. And we saw in the Old Testament that people took a separate tithe or offering every three years 
for providing to those needs, to the needy. Now, if we try to translate that principle to the New Testament, I believe the tithes, the main tithes, should be directed only to those ministries and churches whose main focus is spiritual edification of the body, uh, mainly uh, um, ministering uh, the Word of God and preaching and uh, teaching and uh, prophesying, all those offices, while any offerings above the tithes could go to charitable organizations. Uh, now, this is, of course, debatable. Uh, this is what I think the Holy Spirit would like us to do. If we, we, Or we could take special tithes, I don't know, but um, in this day and age, since we don't have any specific commands about giving, and since uh, the Bible mentions clearly that those who minister from the spiritual things to people should benefit from material things of, of the believers, I, I believe this is a, a, a good way of, of um, directing our giving and tithing in the kingdom of God. Now let's move on to another question, a very, very important one, and uh, one that many struggle with and, um, and have a problem with. Should we still tithe while in debt, while we are in debt? Now, even if we are in debt or walking through a rough financial season, season, tithing should still be a priority. While it's very tempting to use that money to pay our debt, the discipline and the faith that tithing brings is very honoring to the Lord and enlarges our hearts. And even while we are paying down the, our debt, we can still have an attitude of giving and be generous. And that is probably easier to be done if we disciplined and trained ourselves in time to do so. And we don't even reconsider. I mean, we, we just give it away and we don't think. We give it with all our hearts. And if you made a habit of that, a discipline, then it would be easy. Otherwise, we, we would be more prone to unbelief in that area. We would, we would not have so much faith and we would reconsider. We would always think, what if... It's not better to give instead of giving to my tithe to the church or to the kingdom. Why shouldn't why shouldn't I give it to uh, to pay my debt? But even in that situation, I believe it is an an opportunity for ourselves to challenge ourselves and our faith to trust more in the Lord than in our ten percent of income to take care of the, of the debt. I mean, when we give that ten percent, what we actually say is that Lord. I trust you more that you will take care of my debt than this 10% that I could give to pay my debt. And that's really precious. I mean, we should take, take advantage of this opportunity. And even though we are not at that level of faith, we, we don't fully believe. Let's stretch ourselves and, and think, think of it like this, that when I give, I put myself, I, I trust the Lord and His Word more than the actual money that I could use to pay my debt. As an alternative, we could also try to take a look, of course, at our budget and find ways to cut back on spending from other things, for other things. And this is possible. A lot of people don't use a budget. So if we start using a budget and we see where exactly our money are going is going, then I'm sure we can find a way to cut from other spending uh, so that we could continue to bless the kingdom. But if we are still not convinced that we should give the whole tithe while we are in debt, then it's better to give less 
or even not give anything, but with full conviction and joy rather than the whole 10% out of guilt and necessity. And I'll say it again. It's better to give less, but with full conviction and joy rather than all the whole 10% out of guilt and necessity. Romans 14 verse 23 tells us something very interesting, that whatever is not of faith or out of conviction is sin. And of course, that context is, uh, is about foods and about foods dedicated to idols. But if we take this as a general principle, we could also apply it to tithing. Whatever is not of conviction is sin. So whenever you give and you're not fully convinced, I mean, God will appreciate it. But if we are honest, you, you, you cross the line into sin. Because God doesn't want you to be pressured, doesn't want you to be, uh, to be uh, guilty or to, to feel like you have to so that you would continue to be blessed or to not be cursed. And we'll touch uh, on that in a minute. And 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 encourages us to give cheerfully. And now even, a one, uh, even one more important thing. Uh, sometimes we think that uh, if we give like that, even if we don't believe, we're not convinced, that will grow our faith, will increase our faith for prosperity. And it's true that our actions help uh, in renewing our mind and help in, in a, a greater release of our faith. But the thing that will, will release faith for prosperity more than anything else is continuing to listen more to the Word of God about our prosperity in Christ and not necessarily sticking to a certain amount that we should give with guilt. Uh, and, and just listening to the Word of God will increase our faith for prosperity and help us reach a point where we can tithe cheerfully even while we are in debt. So what I'm saying, in other words, is that if you don't feel like you, if you don't, you are not convinced to give the whole 10% or more, uh, just give less and then continue to listen to the Word of God because listening, hearing the Word of God will bring faith into your heart. And when that faith comes into your heart, then you will be able to give the tithe all the time and cheerfully even while you are in debt. Amen? So I hope I answered this question that uh, if we should or we shouldn't still tithe while in debt. So there's not a clear rule. In the New Testament, there are no rules. It's about the heart. It's about the faith in the heart. Uh, the next question that we, that we uh, want to answer, and it's, uh, again, very important and uh, very useful to answer to, is what if we don't tithe at all? Did, have you ever wondered, have you ever asked that question to yourself? We are taught many times that based on Malachi chapter 3, this is a very famous passage, Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 to 9, that if we do not tithe, we rob God and are cursed with the curse. And that scripture was true in the Old Testament. I don't know how how the people of God don't see that. That scripture was true in the Old Testament when people were under the law of Moses. But it is not, it's no longer true in the New Testament. Why? Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. 
Christ, what, are, what is this passage saying? That Christ took all the curse that comes as a consequence of breaking the law, all the curses from Deuteronomy chapter 28, which includes not giving the tithes. Uh, I'm not sure if that tithing is included there, but it was included in the law. So all the curses, all the curses of the law, all the curses that came as a consequence or punishment of breaking the law, and that includes not giving the tithes, all those Christ took on the cross. And as such, the new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, is always blessed and can never be cursed again. And I'll say it again because it's powerful. The new creation in Christ it's all, is always blessed and can never be cursed again, no matter the reason. We are entitled only to the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 and much more, but without any condition. And I know this is a hard statement for the religious people and for religion in general. God is that good. He blessed us in Christ without any condition. Why? Because all the necessary conditions, it's not because God looks the other way, but because all the necessary conditions, all the ifs of obedience and holiness were fulfilled by Jesus Christ for us on our behalf, on our account. And now in the New Testament, we are in Him. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 tells us that, that by His doing, we are in Him. He sanctified us. He redeemed us. He washed us. And 1 John 4 17 says that as Christ is, so are we in, in this world. So we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And He fulfilled, He obeyed the whole law so now that's why all the curses, all the punishments are not, don't apply to us anymore. That is why we are always blessed. Can Christ ever be cursed again or now? He was, uh, all the sin and curses were uh, put upon him once at the cross. He cannot be cursed right now, uh, now and forever. He can never be cursed again. And that is why we can never be cursed no matter what, even if we do not give anything to the kingdom of God. And if we take a look at the example of Balaam and uh, uh, Balaam and Balak, we can see clearly as a general principle that what God has blessed once, nothing and no one can revoke or reverse, including himself. And that's, an, again, I think a, a hard statement to digest. God himself cannot reverse something that he has already blessed. A curse, yes, can be reversed into blessing, but blessing cannot be revoked. And we read that in Numbers 23, verse 20. It says this, uh, Balaam says, Behold, I have received the command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Reverse it. Now, does that mean that God does not desire for us, his children, to give anything to his kingdom in the New Testament? Of course not. Because he is a giver. I, I just said that in this session, in, the, in, a, in a previous session. However, he will not curse or punish anyone for not doing so. He will not punish us if we choose not to give anything. That's, that's our God. That's how God is. He is goodness. He is love. He is kind. And in the spiritual realm and from God's point of view, and I want, you, I want us to get this point, 
in the spiritual area and from God's point of view, we are still blessed financially and in every way possible, even if we never tithe nor give anything to the church or other ministries. And I, I, I don't think I can stress this enough. The materialization of those blessings into the natural that we have in the spiritual depends only on faith. However, there's a caveat here. Giving does something to our minds and hearts. It increases and strengthens the release of faith in the area of prosperity so that we are able to enjoy and materialize more of the blessings that we already have available in the Spirit and at a faster rate. That's what giving does. So giving is something good. Yeah, tithing and giving is something that God gave us as a tool, as a discipline to help us grow in faith and to bless the kingdom. But He will not punish us if we choose not to do so. Amen? And I hope you get my heart and you get the heart of the Father, that He's a good Father and He's not looking to punish you. Now, we have two more questions and I hope we have time to, to talk about them uh, the next question is, do healing and prosperity depend on our tithing? Well, not directly. They don't. They depend only on faith in the word of Christ. Healing and prosperity are received by faith alone, and they are fully included in salvation in the gospel. And nobody can buy miracles and healing or healing or prosperity from God with money. And that's so powerful. Plus, if we want to use the principle of sowing and reaping that so many ministers use, but we will see in another session, I will explain even the sowing and reaping and how, how does that work in relation to the gospel and prosperity that we received through the gospel. But if we, if we choose to use that principle of sowing and reaping, sowing money will not directly cause a harvest of miracles or healing or any other things of, uh, of righteousness, righteousness. It will only bring a harvest of finances in the best case scenario. Because if we think about the, the seed, uh, a seed of apples will bring a harvest of apples. A seed or, or an orange seed will, will bring a harvest of oranges. So the same thing, if we sow money, we, will, we should expect to reap money. However, the word of God about healing, prosperity, and miracles is the only seed that when sown in our hearts will produce a harvest of those things, healings, healings, prosperity, miracles. When we as people in Christ believe the word of God about prosperity, that we were already made prosperous, and we give the tithe with joy out of that faith without thinking about the returns, that action, that deed of giving strengthens the faith about us being prosperous. It waters the seed of prosperity in our heart. And that faith will produce more prosperity in our lives. More than that, the faith that we gained in the era of prosperity and which brings us more prosperity will also leak into other areas. We'll also have more faith for healing, for instance, for victory, for success, and for holiness. And this is the David principle. I call it King David's principle. He, he said this to King Saul. God was with me when I killed the lion and the bear, and God will also be with me to kill this giant. So whenever we walk in holiness, you will notice that we have more faith 
for other things, even to pray for the sick or for ourselves. We have more boldness and faith. But on the other side, when we do a sinful deed, our conscience, and not God, uh, just to make that clear, not God, but our conscience condemns us. And as a result, faith shrinks both in the area of overcoming sin, a specific sin if if you want, but also in the area of ministering healing or other miracles to ourselves and to others. And I, I... you might have noticed that when you sin or you know that you did something wrong and you are in the you are faced with the with the um, uh, a situation where you need to minister to other people immediately your mind will tell you your conscience will tell you you cannot minister you sinned and the same thing applies on the positive side when we do acts of righteousness like giving that faith that we gain in that area also leaks in all the other area. We become bolder in all aspects of righteousness. And that is how the act of giving produces the righteousness of the gospel in all areas of our lives and indirectly can limit the miracles in our lives. And uh, here is, I anticipate this, but here, where, here is where sowing and reaping, just money, sowing money and reaping money is limited. Uh, um, believing the prosperity that God has given us has much more benefits and brings a much greater harvest in all areas of our lives. And tithing is a tool and a discipline that God has blessed us with alongside other things like fasting, praying, and the Lord's Supper. And all these are meant to help us walk in more of a of the inheritance that God has given us through the gospel. Amen? And now, it is true, you might come to me with all kinds of examples. It is true that the widow from Sarepta gave Elijah all she had and that her needs were supernaturally supplied for the next three years as a result. However, 1 Kings 17 verse 9 says, I have commanded a widow woman there to provide for you. The Lord had commanded her to provide for Elijah. This was not about getting her needs met, although that did happen as a byproduct. She was giving to help the men of God. Then it's also true that Cornelius' gifts, Cornelius's gifts came up before God as a memorial. We see that in Acts uh, 10 verse 4. But it was his faith that pleased God. Hebrews 11:6 tells us. His giving was just a manifest token of his faith and trust in the Lord. God's blessings can never be be bought. And we see that in Acts 8, verses 18 to 20. And it is again true that when we leave our house, brothers, sisters, children, and businesses for the Lord's account, he will give us back a hundredfold in this lifetime. That's what Mark 10, verse 30 tells us. However, even in this context, in this situation, the hundredfold blessing will not come because of the giving up of those things and of uh, uh, leaving people in itself, but it will come as a result of the faith in God's calling that we manifest and because of the responsibility that we take to advance the kingdom and go. That's the real reason why Jesus will give us back those things. Amen. And finally, the last question, will God pay us back our tithe multiplied? I will say that he will not. No, because there's no such promise. He has already given us all the prosperity that can be given. We just need to work it out by faith. 
And here is where tithing plays a role, an important role, as I mentioned before. Even in the case of sowing and reaping money, God is not the one causing people to reap if they ever reap. But the law itself that God put in place causes people, both believers and unbelievers, and that might be something new to you, but that law works for everybody, to reap. That law in itself causes people to reap if they have sown in, a, in good grounds and if they do not sabotage their harvest themselves through a poverty mindset or a negative attitude towards money. You, you yourself can sabotage and limit a harvest through your mindset. And it is often said from the pulpit that no one can outgive God. I don't know if you ever heard this, but you cannot outgive God. He will always give you back much more and, than what you've given. And that is true from the perspective that God has already given us everything as we have seen so far. And no one can give back to God more than what he has already given. I mean, he has given his son. He has given us eternal life. He has given us his word, the Holy Spirit. He has given us a prosperity, healing, uh, for remission of sins, everything. There is nothing that God kept for himself. He has given us everything. So from that point of view, we can never outgive God. But if by saying that no one can outgive God, we mean that the more we give, God will always give us back more and multiply it as a reaction to our giving, that is not true. Our giving will multiply the faith in the prosperity that God has already given us. And that multiplication, that faith, will cause the prosperity to manifest in increasing in measure in the material world. Man, this is such good stuff, so powerful stuff, and I hope you are blessed uh, 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 listening to this, and I hope I, I was able by the Holy Spirit to bring some clarity, some, some freedom into your life in, in the area of tithing and giving, and um, may God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message here. We conclude the, this teaching about tithing in the New Testament. Today we've we talked about when should we tithe, where should we tithe. We talked about if we should tithe or not while we are in debt and what happens if we don't tithe or do healing and prosperity depend on our tithing. And finally, we talked about if God will pay us back for our tithe multiplied. And I hope, I really hope you are blessed. I was blessed even while teaching and talking about this. Thank you for listening to Tithing in the New Testament with Edward Sere Duke. If you like this kind of teaching and you like to find out more, you can check out our website at ecereduke.com. And until we meet again, may God bless you and fill you with His presence, with His wisdom and righteousness. Amen. Amen.